your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solon, like the guy just said, 608-785-7914 is the talking text line if you want to get in here. I was hoping, I was hoping I was going to get this principal in here, Southern Bluffs Elementary School principal in here today, just for a couple of minutes. She's starting as principal tomorrow at Southern Bluffs. Her name's Abby Frost. She's in fifth grade. <laughs> She uh, she's doing a principal for the day thing at, at Southern Bluffs Elementary School. I thought it'd be fun to talk to her, give her, you know, see if we see, see if she can give us a pep talk, or maybe we can give her a pep talk. But uh, I got stood up. I got stood up by a fifth grader. I'm used to it. Used to it. Um, well, good luck, Abby, wherever you are. I had some good advice for you. My advice, though, as a as a fifth grader that's going to be principal for a day. I've seen enough Saved by the Bell episodes to see how Zach would handle this, Zach Morris. But uh, I think, you know, you go in a little early. Her schedule, it says on her schedule, it's going to start at 820. But I would say you get in there at 7. What time's the bus? Do I wonder how early the bus is, the first kids get on the bus. Because you got to get to the office before the first kids get on the bus. And then just cancel school for the day, snow day. Too cold out. Principal for a day, school's canceled. Three-day weekend. That's how I'd do it. <laughs> oh, what? what's on my itinerary? Nothing. I'm going to go outside and play in the snow, even if it's not snowing. Because there's snow. You can always say it's a snow day, right? No online learning today. Kids need to be home helping their parents shovel, get those sidewalks clean, or you're going to be charged $2.50 a foot and a $75 administration fee and a $150 ticket. Might be, that might not be $150. It did snow like a little bit, right? It snowed by me a little bit. I got a little dusting. I got enough to get the shovel out. So it's legit, right? She could cancel school for the day. So her itinerary, though, it's kind of a cute thing. We're going to have one of our reporters, Sam White, going to go over there at some point and maybe maybe just get some comments. How is she doing? But uh, 820 student drop-off, uh, classroom visits. She's going to visit classrooms for 20 minutes in the morning. Uh, and then meeting with the associate superintendent, Dr. Harsey, for a half hour. That's a half-hour meeting for a fifth grader. What are they going to talk about? Uh, 10 to 10.30, a building tour with the building engineer. Uh, 10.30 to 11, she's doing office work. I don't know what that's going to be, Abby Hart, Abby Frost. Uh, and then 11 to 12.45, an hour and 45 minutes of lunch supervision. That's the longest thing on her itinerary, an hour and 45 minutes of lunch supervision. She doesn't, it's not eat lunch, it's lunch supervision. Because at 12.45 to 1.15, she has lunch with Mrs. Schreiner. So from 11 to 1.15, her, her day is just lunch. And then a half-hour meeting uh, with Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Aaron Engel. And then another half-hour meeting with the Director of Elementary Education, Mrs. Shirell. Uh, and then the day ends with, it looks like, about... 35 minutes of 
25 minutes of office work just to cap off the day. No bus supervision afterwards. I, I think maybe you would wave bye to the kids at the end of the day. So, big day for Abby Frost at Southern Bluffs Elementary School. She's starting off right, she stood me up on wisdom. Didn't want to, the, the pressure of being on live radio, I think. Uh, coming up on the show, Sarah Godlewski. She's the Wisconsin State Treasurer, and she's a Senate candidate going for Ron Johnson's seat. So, a U.S. Senate, Senate candidate. She's been on before. We had some fun. She was she was at, it might even have been Southern Bluffs. Now I think about it. She was at a, a school. We'll ask her the last time she was on. She was, and then she just walked over. She didn't walk over from the school, but she, I think she was just wandering downtown and checking things out. And, and I, she was going to come on. And I was like, well, where are you? She's like, I'm downtown. I'm like, so am I. You could just come in the studio. So now she's going to be on the phone, though, because I don't know where she is. Somewhere in, somewhere in Wisconsin, probably Madison. Um, and we're going to talk about, you know, probably probably January 6th a little bit. Uh, I've got a bunch of stuff on my list. Um, the filibuster. Healthcare. I always want to talk about healthcare. January 6th. Uh, the military budget. We could bring that up. Um, yeah. You got questions for a Senate candidate, U.S. Senate candidate, the one that's hoping to replace Ron Johnson. She's going up against a bunch of other Senate candidates in Wisconsin. Um. It's it's a long, it's a long list. So Alex Lazary, he's like the Bucks. He's like a billionaire and a affiliated with the Bucks. I don't know if he's like the owner's son or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I should know that it's Bucks, right? I should know. I'm the sports guy, but uh, Mandela Barnes, lieutenant governor, is in this list. There's a bunch of how many are there? Uh, if you go to laxdems.com, the Lacrosse County. Democratic Party website. There's there's a nice little if you just go to candidates, a little pull down menu. Everything's on there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven people running for Ron Johnson's seat in the Senate. Eleven Democrats. Uh, zero Republicans at this point because Ron Johnson hasn't said whether or not he's going to run. So there's that. All right, let's take a break. Let's get Brad to do the news. Let's make him do the news, and we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914. Text me if you got questions for me or, you know, Sarah Godlewski. She's the Wisconsin State Treasurer. I didn't even I, I didn't even look it up. I think I can remember that one. You're the Wisconsin State Treasurer, right, Sarah? I am, Rick, the one okay. with the money. The one with the money, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you were handing out money bags at Emerson a couple of months ago and then stopped yeah. in here. Didn't have any bags of money left for me, but that's fine. Um, and you're also, of course, running for Senate, as I said before. I, I, I will say, Sarah, I just got stood up by a fifth grader to come on my show. She's going to be principal for a day. I thought it'd be fun to have uh, to, to just give her a pep talk, um, but she stood me up. So I'm glad you didn't stand me up, too, because that would have been devastating for me. <laughs> well, I'm glad I can also be the backup anytime. Um, I'm here for you. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Um, is there any state treasurer news? Can we get that out of the way? I, I feel like, uh, oh, there was a, there was a story, um, about Wisconsin's tax burden. Is that state treasurer stuff? Do you care about that? I mean, as you know, the tax burden is set by the legislature and your local elected officials. Um, 
So I don't have I don't have much say in it just no, to make okay. sure that you know money is money is collected, but we don't we don't set any of that. Yeah, it seems. Um, like, so I'm not I'm not the bad guy in that way. Well, I don't even know if it was a bad. You know, when I see Wisconsin's tax burden. Uh, it grows yep. for the first time in 10 years. Sounds bad. But when I was reading it, I'm like, oh, a lot of people are spending a lot of money in Wisconsin's and Wisconsin's collecting taxes because of it. So it just seemed like just people uh, have more money. It says, you know, the headline and it says uh, as a share of income grows for the first time in 10 years, Wisconsin's tax burden. So but if it's not your forte, it's not your forte. That's fine. I just wanted to bring it up as some state treasurer news. Yeah, but no, we've actually um, are still doing a lot of great work. I mean, this past year, uh, we, for example, really focused on economic security was one of our primary pillars because people are still dealing with the pandemic. And um, one of the things that we did was launch Take Root Wisconsin. And this, Rick, was a result of our work. I um, started a home ownership task force because of a few things. One is Wisconsin actually has a below national average home ownership rate. And we are one of the worst states for uh, black Americans to own a home. And so what the task force identified was, look, if we actually bring a lot of different people to the table, whether it is realtors or local government officials or um, housing agencies, we can actually have a bigger impact. So we created Take Root Wisconsin, which is helping Wisconsinites buy, fix, and stay in their homes. So it's everything from first-time home buyers to, you know, trying to get the, finally getting the lead pipes out of these homes or lead paint to even if you are facing foreclosure and things we can do to keep you in your home. Anything with, you know, in-ground pools or hot tubs, anything like that? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that would fit under fix, but I can look into that, Rick, and get back to you. Yeah, a lot of people have hot tubs that just break, and then you see them on Craigslist all the time or Facebook Marketplace. Free, (laughs) take it. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, well, with housing, you know, I, I see in my uh, my the leftist leftist memes that I see all the time. Uh, you know, there there appears to be uh, rich people appear to be buying up all the houses and then renting yeah. them out so that nobody can own homes. That seems to be a problem. Uh, can we just can we just make it where every first of all everyone gets a home, and then when you want your second home, then you know you have to wait in line behind everyone else. It's it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned this, Rick, because I was actually just talking to some. Um, folks in Ashland about this exact issue. I mean, it is it is crazy that they're having developers that are coming in and buying some of the best property in Ashland, and then it's kicking out the community members who live there, work there, that are serving on the front lines. Um, and so it's, it's definitely something that we have to do, because what makes our communities thrive? It's the people that are, can live there um, and be there. And so it is um, an important issue and something that, again, kind of our larger take root Wisconsin is uh, making sure that we are at the table uh, addressing. We're speaking with Sarah Gadlewski. She's running for Ron Johnson's seat in the Senate. I think you're 11. Are you 11, one of 11 running for that seat? It's, I, I thought there was a dozen. There was a so, dozen? Okay. Uh, Yes, but Rick, you know, you only you can. Are you going to be the make, maybe make it the Baker's dozen? That's right. We we did say race? that. We did say. Well, you know, at this point, you know, Ron Johnson isn't running for Ron Johnson's seat, so there isn't any Republicans running right now. It's going to be the Democrat. Whoever wins is going to take the seat, apparently, because 
Ron Johnson isn't running. But I was going to say, when, you, when you're campaigning, now this is, the New York mayor is already the New York, I think it was the mayor, the, is already the New York mayor. But when you're talking about workers, don't call them low-skill workers. If you, I don't know if you heard this from Mayor Adams the other day. He was talking about low-skill workers like cooks and, uh, you know, whatever. What, you know, people that are probably making less than $25 an hour. Uh, just, just a word of advice, Sarah. Don't, don't do that. Well, I will tell you, uh, economic security is front and center for me, Eric. And let's let's talk about the minimum wage because you and I both know Wisconsin's behind. I mean, we are raising the minimum wage. We're seeing it in Minnesota, in Michigan, in Illinois, and we haven't done anything about it in the state for over a decade. And when I look at this legislature, I don't think it's an issue that they're going to address, which is why I think we've got to pass the $15 minimum wage um, at the federal level to make sure that this is a reality. Um, so working with Wisconsinites can have the quality of life that they deserve. Do you think by the time something like that does, we really start having a conversation? Well, I feel like we should. The Senate, if the Senate, this probably should be part of that conversation right now. It should be all the time. And I guess it is once in a while. By the time it gets passed, we, we're going to need a $20 minimum wage because the $15 one will be too little. Yeah. There. I mean, look, like we know raising a family is hard. I mean, let's like just talk about it. If you are making minimum wage, how do you afford, for example, child care? I mean, Rick, I was talking to a bunch of Wisconsinites and they're right now they were in this predicament where they didn't have flexibility with their work. Um, and, you know, their kids got COVID or their parents got COVID and they didn't have any options like paid family leave and they were shelling out all this money for childcare, and they're like, "Enough is enough," um, and ended up leaving the workplace uh, to take care of their family because there's just no mechanism really for affordable childcare right now. And I think when you talk to childcare providers, they're not even making a profit; they're barely, you know, scraping by. And these are people that are taking care of our kids, um, and we want them to make sure that they are in a good place to to be able to do this. And so this is. You know, something that I actually got really frustrated with, Rick, when I was looking at, for example, the CARES package, um, because the CARES Act package, when it was putting together the large relief for our country, Delta Airlines got more money than child care. And, you know, like, that's ridiculous. It's just, once again, special interests are getting the money they need. But what about working families? Can we, can we solve the two birds with one stone? Maybe put the children on the airplanes? And then there, I read that I read in Brussels they're running empty. Air, they run three thousand empty airline flights to keep the land, the the takeoff and landing slots. So maybe we'll put the kids oh in. So, um, well, yeah. But the, the the child tax credit. I mean, we talk about like if we want if that's a Democrat thing that that we're going to give tax credits to parents. Uh, didn't that just end? Like we were, t- we we talked about how great that was, and it just—I think it ended. So the child tax credit, like, what are we doing, Democrats? Like, get going, Senate, pass this thing, like, make it permanent. I know. Well, I, I, I mean, if I was in the Senate, um, Rick, I will tell you, I'd fight like hell for this because the child tax credit literally cut our child poverty rate in half. Um, and it, you are exactly right; it ended at the end of the year, and we are sitting here, kind of debating whether or not we should be doing this when the proof is in the pudding. I mean, when families have been able to make sure that their kids need the resources that it, they need, it is it is a win-win situation. I mean, I don't understand what is the problem with cutting child poverty in half 
which is, you know, one of the reasons I have actually come out against the filibuster. And, you know, you think about one of the reasons why we're not able to extend the child tax credit. It's because we have this crazy rule in the Senate that requires a supermajority, 60 senators, to actually move anything forward. Um, and I think that, you know, when I talk to Wisconsinites, they send their representatives to Washington to get things to get things done. And I think we have to allow the majority to rule so they can get things done. Yeah, the filibuster one is, is weird to me because I keep hearing that, you know, the that we can change the filibuster rule anytime we want. I think it needs a majority vote, like a 50 or 51 majority vote to change the filibuster rule. And I'm like, and then you get to pick and choose what issues you want to vote on for the filibuster. So it's not like an, a sweeping thing. So, yeah, the idea like, hey, we want to pass voting rights. Hey, we want to pass, you know, the Build Back Better plan or at least vote on it to see where everyone stands. Exactly. Um, we're, we're not doing that. We only do that to confirm our, you know, leftist or or rightist conservative judges. We only, we only do that apparently with judges. Yeah. And I think that we are at a point where working Wisconsinites, working families are like, come on. I mean, we need to make sure things like we have affordable childcare and paid family leave and addressing climate change. Um, I mean, we look at what we've already done. The infrastructure package that was just passed is going to be a game changer for Wisconsin. I mean, look at the three top things that are coming out of the infrastructure bill that we were able to pass. It's going to make sure that our state has broadband. As we know, 28% of rural Wisconsinites don't have access. It's going to finally fix the damn roads. Um, and depending on who you're talking to, we've got a D-plus C rating on our roads, our bridges. And it's going to do that with good union-paying jobs. And then we're also going to finally get those lead pipes out of so many homes in black and brown communities across our state. And so these are like the win-win things that we can do. Um, But to your point, part of the reason we were only able to do this is because, I mean, we were, you know, we had to make sure we had the right votes to get this done. And that's where I think we have to get rid of the filibuster so we can get things like the Build Back Better bill finally passed. Yeah, it just seems to be like not enough things are, you know, at least vote on these things. When when Trump and Republicans took over, uh, you know, back in, was it 2016, they immediately passed tax breaks, tax breaks for like the corporations and mostly the rich people. And uh, they yeah. got that done, but then nothing else happens. Well, Democrats, you you have you have control of everything, and I know they've passed some stuff, but like go, go, get it done or at least vote on the stuff so we can pick and choose. It, it's always nice to vote on this stuff so that at least we know where everyone stands on the issue. If Joe Manchin doesn't want to vote on you know cutting insulin payments to thirty five dollars a month, that's fine. At least we know where he stands. At least his state knows where he stands on this stuff. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more, Rick. And I will tell you, I think this is something that we've got to make sure that we are voting on, because one of the things that I was a little frustrated by and watching it from afar here in Wisconsin is in developing the Build Back Better legislation, just too, I think sometimes the what special interests are able to get away with. You know, something I hear all the time, and I don't know, Rick, how often you hear about it, is let's just even talk about cost of prescription drugs. I mean, I'm talking to folks in our state, and they are skipping their life-saving drugs that they need to take and taking it on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And they don't take it on the weekends or on Tuesdays and Thursdays, not because they don't need to, but because they can't afford it. I mean, 
this is crazy. We're one of the richest countries in the world, and we're having our citizens skipping life-saving drugs. And then you look at the Build Back Better bill, and something that was in that bill was working to make sure Medicare could actually negotiate drug prices. Um, But yet, a lot of the pharmaceutical companies were like, oh, no, we don't know if we want that. So then there are people that are picking and choosing what we can negotiate. I mean, it just was it was crazy. Yeah, we're speaking with Sarah Godlewski. She's running for Ron Johnson's seat in the U.S. Senate here in Wisconsin. She's the Wisconsin state treasurer. All right. I'm, we want to get into the health care talk uh, in a minute here. But Scott's comments coming up. Brad's got to do the news. Then we'll return when we come back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914. If you want to text in, you got a question. You got a question for a potential U.S. Senator. Sarah Godlewski's running for Ron Johnson's seat. She's a Democrat. One of 12. I guess there's a dozen. I'm going to tell <laughs> our county chair, county party chair here. He's got to update his website. Or, or, I, or I miscounted. It could be that. Um, and I want to get into health care. But before we do that, it's obviously the uh, it sounds weird to say anniversary whenever something bad happens and we say anniversary mm. to me it sounds weird but it's the year quote unquote anniversary of the insurrection uh that that to a lot of republicans didn't happen and i think i feel like ron johnson who you're running against or will be running against i guess you got to get through the democrats but i feel like he doesn't think that like what is he is he pretending that it didn't happen or is this just a line that he has to push because he's a republican now because if you just watch some uh tape of what happened at the capitol a year ago it definitely it definitely happened ron yeah rick i mean i will tell you i think it's a good question because i remember exactly what i was doing on january 6th i'm sure a lot of us on this call do and when we were getting text messages and emails that said, turn on the TV and see what's going on. And I remember when I did, and I was watching Americans attack our Capitol and were literally smashing windows. I was like, is this, are we the Congo? I mean, what is, what is happening here? Um, and then to all, we all witnessed it, but yet, you know, Ron Johnson is calling it a peaceful protest. Like it was just, you know, a group of people just kind of peacefully protesting, or he was calling these insurrectionists um, folks that love this country and respect law enforcement when we know that literally five officers were killed and over 140 officers were injured, um, and they were attacking officers in this. And so uh, to me, I just uh, it is just this, like, I don't know what what he is thinking because we all saw what happened and it was an attack on our democracy, which is a foundation of this country. Yeah, there's there's a part of some of his quotes that aren't you know, he, he's got to he's got to walk the line a little bit. And so when he says, I know these people, I know those people that love this country and that's fine. Like, you know what? The people at the Capitol, maybe they do love the country, but they don't. They didn't, a lot of them didn't respect law enforcement. And then he was hooked on. You know, some of his quotes are a lot about this. It, it wasn't armed. These people weren't armed. Well, I believe I, I, I believe there were dozens of people caught with weapons. So the, the idea that they weren't armed isn't isn't true. Sure. Not everybody came with a M16, but uh, people were armed. Yeah, it's it's funny, uh, Rick, that you mentioned this because I was looking back at PolitiFact, which is this fact checker. And the uh, it wasn't an armed insurrection was literally 
you know, they have like, oh, kind of false, sort of false. And then they have this one that's like pants on fire. And it was literally like the pants on fire rating because um, there were, I mean, there were all sorts of weapons that were found um, that with folks that were uh, attacking the Capitol. Yeah, so PolitiFact is the one pants on fire. I was going to ask if it's like the one with Pinocchios, because I don't like the one with Pinocchios, because it's like four Pinocchios, five Pinocchios. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's one Pinocchio, and it's how long has no- how long is his nose? His nose is going to be, you know, four inches long, two inches. I don't know. Uh, it gets a little hairy when you're trying to do that, especially if he's got nose hair. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it's... I, uh, just the, the, I, I don't know what ha- what happened to Ron Johnson in the last what maybe two years did, did is he I, I, you know he's he's kind of doing his own thing you got to respect him he's really not uh, you know bowing down to anybody doctors uh, law enforcement uh, respecting the capital itself he just he's kind of in his own it feels like he's a little bit in his own world I don't know if he's is he watching a lot of YouTube and Facebook videos that are out there is that what he does I, I mean there? I I will say Rick what keeps me up at night is that just this constant barrage of disinformation that he's providing and this kind of like Ron Johnson 2.0. I mean, it didn't just start with the January 6th insurrection. I mean, we saw it when he was talking about Russia and Ukraine, and these are important issues to our national security. And, you know, the guy actually spent July 4th in Russia instead of in Wisconsin, um, to then he moved on to the election. And look, like, we are used to close elections in Wisconsin. It's not anything new and kind of questioning the integrity, which we know these are folks that are nonpartisan that run our elections and have done an incredible job, and it was a free and fair election, um, to literally peddling junk science when it comes to vaccines and taking like these crazy alternatives like ivermectin or hydrochloroquine, where literally hospitals and scientists have said, please don't do that. Or, you know, like gurgling mouthwash. I mean, it's just crazy how we are just seeing constant disinformation from him in a way that I think is not only risking our democracy, but actually costing lives when we look at COVID. Yeah, what's happening at hospitals, they're so full right now, Sarah, they're actually just handing out mouthwash at the door and telling people to go on their way. We don't have any room for you, but luckily we got this bottle of Listerine. This will cure you. Ron Johnson said so. Right, right. just drink it. It's going to be fine. I yeah. mean, it's not. We can't admit you because everyone in here is, is contaminated with COVID. It's a very contagious disease, but Ron Johnson is promoting Listerine as a cure for COVID. Right. Uh, it seems a little right. out there. I don't know how how I, I I understand that there are twelve of you running as Democrats in the Senate. So y- y- I understand because because of because of Ron Johnson's stances. That's why there's twelve of you, right? Because everybody this will be ha- the hardest race for you guys might be beating each other, right? Yeah, I mean, I will tell you, I'm in this race because. You know, look, Rick, I'm a fifth generation Wisconsinite, and I believe that Wisconsinites want someone who's going to actually get things done for them. And, you know, when I look at Ron Johnson, his latest term, I mean, he just continues to peddle disinformation and, you know, talk about hydrochloroquine or evermectin or, you know, question vaccines. He's not actually delivering. I mean, 
where is Ron Johnson when we talk about the child tax credit? Where is Ron Johnson when we're talking about climate change? I mean, Wisconsin has seen erratic weather. It's cost our state millions of dollars. Um, where's Ron Johnson when our small businesses have been hurting? And I just, you know, we already have a dark history when we think about Joe McCarthy and what he did to this country. We don't need that to continue when we look at Ron Johnson and the disinformation he is actually talking about when it comes to our democracy. And I believe that we deserve better. And that's why I'm in this race, because Wisconsinites deserve someone who's going to get things done for them. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about climate change just a little bit. It was 70 degrees here a couple weekends, a couple weeks ago. And then we had 90 mile per hour winds a couple days after that. And it knocked down our we have a three million light holiday display uh, in the park in Riverside Park here in La Crosse. And we had to close it for the first time in 26 years because everything blew over and was destroyed. Yeah, I mean, we, as you know, that last storm, they had up to, what, 70 mile an hour winds and literally people lost power. Um, Just a couple. There was just a couple of tornadoes. There was just a couple, like 50, only like 50. (laughs) Right, right. Well, we're we're seeing across the state. I mean, Rick, I will say that climate change is something that's incredibly scary. I was talking to a farmer actually in southwest Wisconsin and the erratic floods has literally wiped out his crops, not just for one year, for two years. And they have to start rethinking, like, is this the right thing for them to do? Because year after year, um, the weather is so erratic, it's hard for them to figure out what they should grow, how they should grow it. And it's really impacting the bottom line of, of their family. Yeah, they're just going to have to start growing rice in the in the bogs, maybe, or cranberries or something. Um <laughs> Getting back to, you know, you, you, we can we can bash Ron Johnson all day, and that's I think that's kind of easy and almost unfair at this point. But how do you, uh, when do you start bashing your other 11 opponents in the uh, Democratic side of this race? How do you set yourself apart from 11 other people? Well, for me, Rick, it's, you know, I'm no stranger to running for public office. You know, I actually got involved in public service um, because I found out that there was a group of politicians that were trying to get rid of the state treasurer's office, which we would have been one of the only states to not have a chief financial officer. And I thought checks and balances and and, uh, transparency and accountability were really important. And so I led the constitutional amendment to save the state treasurer's office and then ran for the office and, um, you know, traveled the state. I'm a fifth-generation Western Wisconsinite from Eau Claire and met people where they are and listened and uh, flipped more Trump counties and took more of the vote share than the governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general in a down-ballot race that people said no one cares about. And so for me, I think what Wisconsinites are looking for and what I'm really talking about is they want someone who's going to deliver. You know, when the pandemic hit, Rick, literally our legislators didn't meet for 300 days. I mean, the Republicans refused to do anything when 1.2 million Wisconsinites couldn't pay their bills at the height of the pandemic. And so just being Wisconsin scrappy, we were we were doing things for Wisconsinites, whether it was addressing, you know, foreclosures to um, making sure schools had hotspots because of distance learning and i think that's something that's important and something i'm talking about on the trail and in this race yeah it is funny i think it was eight months like literally eight months they never met in session to debate a single thing and then the governor had called at least two maybe three special sessions to address stuff like 
policing bills and uh, there was another one. Oh, the unemployment thing. I think he called a special session for that. And Republicans went, eh, Governor Evers, you can solve that. So, yeah, literally, we kind of forget that because the pandemic, it's been a decade. It feels like it's been a decade since that happened. Um, because there's 12 of you, what do you think of ranked choice voting? And just maybe, you know, that's something federally we could we could enact. I mean, we see some states do that. Um, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of ranked choice voting. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, Rick. I think I've got to further kind of dig into it. I mean, we saw ranked choice voting is going on where, right? It went. It's now in Maine and in California, and then are, aren't there a few other states, if I'm remembering right, that is now that are now implementing ranked choice voting? Yeah, it's just a um, just a handful. Yep. So, I, I think that it's. It, it, it should be something that we should be looking at to see is this something that that makes sense and going looking at Maine and California to see um, how these how these work and at the end of the day is it the best way to make sure Wisconsinites' voices are heard. The other the other thing too is when you when you talk about hearing Wisconsinites' voices uh, and we talked about just uh, you know the. the a little bit in the Senate, I guess Joe Manchin would be a good example of this in the Senate. Just he's kind of backed by a lot of big money and it's not so much his constituents. It's more like the people that are running the show, like big oil or coal or whatever you want to talk about. The guy literally owns coal mines in Virginia. So he's going to be super, you know, for climate change legislation. But what about this, Sarah? Uh, when we're speaking with Sarah Godlewski, she's running for the U.S. Senate seat that Ron Johnson has right now in Wisconsin. But what about this, Sarah? No, no, no entity gets to donate money to a campaign. So you don't get to take money from, you know, big oil or big chicken, whatever you want to call it. Um, but everybody can donate whatever they, you know, to whoever they want. But the cap is $15. You get you only get to donate $15 to anyone's campaign because – you know, $15 is going to be a lot of money to some people. And then I think the max in Wisconsin is like $2,000. Nobody that's making 20 bucks, 15 bucks an hour is, is donating $2,000 to a campaign. Therefore, the guy that is making 50 bucks an hour does that. Well, he's going to have a little bit more say in who, who you know, in, in what his, I guess, government does for him because he's donating 2000 But if everyone was on the same playing field, it would, I think it would be a little bit more fair. And that playing field is not $2,000. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Rick. We've got to get money out of politics. And let's even use somebody like Senator Joe Manchin as an example. I mean, one of the things that the the legislation, the Build Back Better legislation was supposed to be doing was um, helping us transition from brown energy to green energy, because we know that is a significant contributor to climate change. Um, but yet we're still seeing that fossil fuel companies are getting a taxpayer kickback. I mean, that stuff wasn't changed. And so we're still giving tax subsidies to fossil fuel companies that are still profiting. I mean, this to me just doesn't make sense. And I think exactly what you are talking about, we have to get to the root cause, is not allowing uh, special interests to basically buy these politicians. You know, something that I did in my state treasurer's race, and it was the first thing that I talked about right out of the gate when I announced my candidacy for U.S. Senate is I'm not taking any corporate PAC money because I want Wisconsinites to know that at the end of the day, I work for that. Um, and I think your idea on making sure that we can empower grassroots donors is um, something that we have to get done in the future. It's a, it's a top priority. Um, what about, uh, you know, we talk about other things that are big money things. 
Um, what do you think of the military budget that just passed? It, that passes by flying colors every year through the House and through the Senate. And it's it was seven hundred and I'll just say seven hundred fifty billion dollars for one year. When we argue about Joe Biden's two trillion dollar uh, Build Back Better plan, that's for a decade, and so that doesn't you know that's that pales in comparison to what we pass as a military budget every year. Is do you know why we just pass the military budget every year without going through the whole spiel of how we're going to pay for it? Well, and and let's even go one step further, Rick. Like. This budget, that military budget, the NDAA, that was passed um, in December, not only did it pass, they actually, the Congress gave the military more money than they even asked for. Yeah, $25 right? billion dollars more, yep. It, it, which, is, which is crazy to me. I will never forget, um, I was looking at a solar system picture that was explaining the U.S. budget. And basically, the defense budget was the sun, and then, like, education was Neptune. Yeah. I mean, this is like, we need to make sure that we're taking care of the future of this country, which is with our kids, which is with our teachers. And so it, to me, our budget represents our values and we have to have a strong conversation about this. You know, something I was actually, uh, you know, worked with the Pentagon for almost a decade. And I, I will tell you that there are critical opportunities that we have to seize upon in stopping to waste tax dollars. You know, there have been reports where we're leaving equipment behind, we're, you know, purchasing equipment and not actually using it. And um, this is actually something, you know, people ask me, what committee do you want to serve on? Rick, one of them is that I want to serve on is the Senate Armed Services Committee to, to really address and talk about our defense spending to make sure that it, we're actually funding things that matter, like cybersecurity and not wasting tax dollars. We're speaking with Sarah Godlewski. She's running for the U.S. Senate here in Wisconsin, taking over. She wants to take over Ron Johnson's seat. Um, all right, last thing. I just, if you want to win this, if you want to win the race, Sarah, this is what you you run on. Uh, you you figure out exactly point by point what a senator gets, what how many vacation days a senator gets, how much paid leave a senator gets, maternity leave, paternity leave. Um, and then, uh, you know, your salary, I guess you could do an hourly salary breakdown. Senators, I don't think, have to punch in and out. A lot of us others do. Um, and your health care plan. Like, what's the senator's health care plan in the, in the U, you know, in the U, a U.S. senator's health care plan? And then you just run on, you know what? If, if I'm going to get that, you're going to get that. You're going to get a health care plan where you don't have to worry about, you know, what's my deductible? If, if I go in, what's that going to cost? And you're going to get, you know, I don't even know what senators get for vacation. You probably already know that, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's so let's talk about it. So the health care, it's my understanding, Rick, that um, members of Congress get the, you know, they, they pick their insurance off of the Affordable Care Act um, is what they do to get their insurance. Uh, but I think the big piece of it that you are uh, talking about is where's the accountability when it comes to when members of the Senate and U.S. Congress are working for us? I mean, we saw it just right here in Wisconsin. Where we talked about it earlier, Rick, where literally the legislature in Wisconsin, which is a full-time legislature, uh, didn't meet for 300 days in the middle of a financial crisis, a health crisis, a social justice crisis. I mean, where's the accountability there? Um, I mean, they need to be working for us. Can you imagine, Rick, not showing up for your job for 300 days? Yeah, like, but I was available on text, so. 
I'll read your email if you email it to me. I'll probably read it. I, although you don't have, I don't have to pretend to answer it or or you know prove that I did actually do any work. I did. I talked to Steve Doyle, who's uh, in the assembly here in the area, and I said, "Hey, maybe maybe we do need to keep track of your hours. Maybe we do need to have you punching it out." <laughs> I mean, I remember I was talking to other state treasurers across the country because you know revenues were down in a lot of communities and expenditures were up and. A lot of communities were worried about how they were going to be able to pay for things, even just like plowing the streets or EMTs. And I remember talking to my colleagues across the country, and they're like, oh, you know, is your legislature getting together to talk about some of these funding mechanisms? And I said, not mine. No, no, the Republicans have decided not to not to work. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that I think we've got to address. And I hope the people of Wisconsin see that when they look at their elected officials. All right, Sarah, I really appreciate you stopping in Well, stopping in calling in and, and talking with us and good luck in, in, you know, getting beating 11 other Democrats to face Ron Johnson. If Ron Johnson runs, I guess. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Rick. It's great to be it was great to be here. Yep. All right. Bye bye. That was Sarah Gadlewski, Wisconsin state treasurer. She's also, of course, running against hopefully running for her, hopefully running against Ron Johnson in the state U.S. Senate. Uh with 11 other Democrats. It's a big field. It's a big field. That's why I brought up ranked choice voting, because I'm all for when the field is that huge, uh, it would be nice to be able to go, okay, I really like this candidate, but they're kind of, you know, they're not getting the name recognition as somebody uh, from, uh, as someone else. So I, you know, at that point, then you just do the safe thing, like vote for Joe Biden. You do the safe thing. You don't want to vote for, you know, the other guy who you really actually like. All right. I got to take another break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914. I guess I only got a minute, so you can still text me. I usually sit in here for a while afterwards, and you can vent. I'll have some conversations after the show a lot of the times with people texting in. Um, thanks again to Sarah Gadlewski, the Wisconsin State Treasurer, running for U.S. Senate as a Democrat here in Wisconsin, looking to take over Ron Johnson's seat. I kind of wonder if if she won, we would have two female senators. I did look this up last time I talked to her, I think after the fact. We, there, are, there are a couple of states with two female senators, but uh, not a lot. And that would, be, that would be unique. We have all but one Wisconsin Supreme Court judge that's female. Here in La Crosse, we have a female majority La Crosse City Council, which is pretty cool. And then, yeah, that would be interesting if we had a female duo as U.S. Senators. Uh, In the Congress, we have a female running for the 3rd Congressional District and Rebecca Cook. I think she's the only one. Nope, we have two. Deb McGrath. Deb McGrath came on late. I'm going to try to get Deb McGrath in here too. She sounds like a pretty interesting candidate going up against Rebecca Cook, Brad Paff, and Brett Knudsen as Democrats to face Derek Van Orden. And uh, yeah, Brad Paff puts out that, that YouTube video yesterday if you saw it, it's on the website, kind of going after Derek Van Orden. We're getting uh, we're getting dirty now. We're getting going after Derek Van Orden on the anniversary of the January 6th election, election, insurrection. And uh, why was Derek there? You know, some people asked if he was actually there. He was definitely there. There's, there's pictures of him. It wasn't like he was busting in through broken windows and roaming the Capitol. He wasn't inside the Capitol, but he was next to the building from what I could tell on those pictures. And, and then yeah, Brad Paff just kind of 